Hello, everybody. Hello. It is another good day to be up here with you. Uh, I want to thank uh, the lead team once again for giving me the opportunity to uh, share everything that I wanted to share with all of you. Uh, today, we're going to be breaking some limits. How many of you know what a limit break is? Show of hands. Limit break. We got, we got balls over here. Shot, shot that hand up. He knows. A limit break is a mechanic from the Final Fantasy series, if you don't know. And the basic idea is that as you take damage, you build up a special ability called your limit break. And it's one of the most powerful abilities that you can use in the game. Uh, in some of the Final Fantasy games. It's not in all of them, but in some of them. It's very iconic. And when you use it, it can change the tide of battle. It's a very strong ability, but you can only use it once you've taken enough hits. And last week, we talked about how pain is gain and how God uses our struggles in our life to mold us and grow us into who he wants us to be. But have you ever felt like God is bringing you to the limit of your pain, to the very limit of what you can take. The amazing thing about God is when we allow him to shape us and challenge us by bringing us to that point, to the limit of our pain, he can achieve a limit break in our life unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And sometimes a miracle of God feels like a limit break. We've been beaten down over and over. We've taken so many hits, but then God comes along and breaks the limits of what we thought was possible. And today I have a story for you that is very near and dear to my heart, a story of God's incredible faithfulness, of his perfect plan, and a limit break that he did in my life. It's a story that I could never write. It's one that unfolded over the past four years, and it was the hardest experience that I've ever been through, to be honest. Um, so I want to read to you from Genesis 17, chapter 17, verses 16 through 19 today, because it was this same story that we see in Genesis that got me through the story that God was writing for my life. It's a story of God's promise to Abraham. And in it, we're going to see three things that help us understand that God's promises have no limits. They cannot be shaped outside of his control, no matter what they may look like, no matter what we see in front of us. So let's read. This is God speaking to Abraham about his wife. Genesis chapter 17, verse 16. It says, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, and we ask you to challenge us today. We ask you to challenge us to believe for what we feel is impossible, is impossible. We ask you to, to grow in us a faith that is so strong that we can believe you for anything that you tell us will happen, God, whether it's something you reveal to us personally or whether it's a promise that you give us in your word, promises that you have plans to prosper us, not to harm us, Lord. God, I pray that people would see you today. They would see your faithfulness, God, and your power. In your name we pray. Amen. 
we get a glimpse of this full story in Genesis. And we talked in detail about it in my pre-ordered promise message a couple years ago, quite the throwback. But God told Abraham that he was going to have a son for many, many years. Uh, we see this throughout Scripture, throughout Genesis. And he started, uh, Abraham started finding it really hard to believe after a while. You know, you hear something so many times over and over, and you start finding it a little hard to believe. So as we saw in that verse, Abraham could barely believe that he was going to have a child because he kept hearing it, but it still didn't happen, and now he's old. I would encourage you to read the, the full story for yourself in Genesis or, or watch the message from a couple years ago. Uh, but ultimately, the main takeaway, as with the case in many stories of the Bible, is that God always comes through. And he may not come through in our timing or how we'd like him to, but he always does no matter what, and he keeps his word. And this was something that I had to learn firsthand through something that God began showing me over four years ago. If you've been around for a few years, you've maybe heard me speak about something that I can't really tell anyone about. Maybe you saw me post your prayer requests in the Discord. Uh, maybe, maybe it was something I mentioned in one of my past messages here at God Squad Church. Something that I was going through, that I was facing in my life, but that I couldn't really talk about. Something that I was struggling to trust God with. Many of my sermons in the past, like I said, have either touched on this situation or have been about it directly. And I spent months running from this story that God was trying to write in my life, just like Moses tried to run from God's calling on his life. But before I continue, I need you to hear this and remember it. Remember this as long as you live, that God's promises are timeless and they are unbreakable. They are in motion before he even tells us about them, before we even know that there is a promise for us, they are in motion, and they last as long as they need to until they unfold. We may not always be able to see them completely or understand them at first when they're happening, but they are there and they are for us and not against us. So our story brings us back all the way to January 20th, 2017, over four years ago. Over four years ago. I had been with God Squad Church for a little over a year at that point, volunteering for around eight months. That's not over a year. Oh, well. <laughs> and my dear friend and yoke fellow, uh, Pastor Boz, uh, knew that I was hiding something. He knew that I was hiding something. Pastor Balls and I quickly became best friends as we got to know each other more and more. We are yoke fellows after all, and I suppose best friends have a way of knowing these kinds of things, uh, especially when uh, they have a God-given talent for it, as, as Balls seems to, uh, so be forewarned. But <laughs> I was at work at the time back then. Uh, I was still working at the school, and he just texts me out of the blue. He sends me a text message, and I read this text message, and I'm like, what in the world? So I want to show you that text message. I scrolled all the way back up in my, in my phone uh, to screenshot this text message to, to show you today. So let's take a look at it. This is what he sent me uh, four years ago. He said, do you have a secret crush you haven't told anyone about? And we go on. I respond, lol, what? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? He says, I have a feeling that you have a secret crush that you're not sure is a crush. Look, I knew what it was, okay? I just didn't want to talk about it. Let's, let's continue. I said, explain your reasoning, and then I'll talk. 
So he goes, more Twitter responses. Imagine getting this from Twitter responses. It's ridiculous. Likes lately than usual from you and other stuff that I'm usually right about. And Well, he usually is. And I said, just say it. And he says, Ruby, Ruby. Continue on. I said, you know, you seem to have a really good read on me in general. I'll have you know that I've been using Twitter more in general recently. You know, it's, it's not just this. And he says, I'm a beast at this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. So thank you, Pastor Boz. Uh, so Ruby, yes, yes, Ruby. Uh, some of you have no idea who in the world we're talking about, and some of you know exactly who we're talking about. Uh, Miss Ruby Falls, if you don't know her, she has been a Twitch streamer for uh, six years now, almost seven. Uh, my girlfriend for about a year now. And four years ago, God used Pastor Boz to set in motion the story that I'm telling you today by calling me out with a text message. I can assure you, if he did not do that, we would not be here talking about this today, but... I'm thankful that he did. Now, maybe you're thinking that this story is just about how I tried to get Miss Ruby Falls to notice me for three and a half years. And at the time, that is indeed what it felt like. But the reality is that there was so much more to it than that. Because to start with, first of all, I didn't even want to get her to notice me. I wanted no part in this. I wasn't gonna tell anyone about my dumb crush. I was gonna keep it to myself, suppress my feelings, because it, it was ridiculous. I thought it was. She, she lived in another state. I only knew her through the internet. I never even, like, verbally spoken with her. I just watched her Twitch stream. It was ridiculous. I felt ridiculous. I didn't want to, like, come off as creepy or weird or anything like that. I, I didn't want any part in the feelings that I had. And while this story began as me battling my own feelings, it eventually became much more than that. Because the story I experienced and the story that she experienced were two halves of the bigger picture that God was painting in our lives. So, Pastor Boz called me out, haha, very funny. Uh, but I still had every intention of ignoring my feelings. But now other people knew about it, so that made those feelings a little bit harder to ignore. And as time continued to go on, my feelings remained. I knew that I didn't really know Miss Ruby Falls at that time. I had only ever watched her through a screen, talked to her through Twitch chat, maybe an occasional DM here and there. It was nothing really to write home about. She was pretty, she was nice, but that's all I knew. And it felt really silly for me to have these feelings for her when that was all it was. But the fact that I thought those feelings were silly didn't really change the fact uh, that they were hard to forget about, uh, no matter how much I wanted to forget about them. So finally, uh, after not being able to stop thinking about them, I said, all right, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. You got to start there, friends. If you didn't, you missed a step. You missed a step. So I prayed about it. And all I could discern was that God was leading me to her for some reason, for some reason. I didn't know if it was a friendship or for something more, uh, all I really knew was that God, at the very least, wanted me to talk to her, okay? So I'm like, all right, I'll try to do that. And Ruby and I would chat a little bit here and there, DMs occasionally, but it was never a regular occurrence. The, the reality was that I was just one of the many people that would message her to talk, and she thought nothing of it. She got so many messages, plenty of messages from guys just being nice and chatting, and I was no different 
in that regard. But from my point of view, I figure, well, you know, if she likes me and wants to talk to me more, she will. And remember, I'm determined to not come off as creepy. Uh, so I was not about to spam her with messages every day and be like, yo, you want to talk? Oh, oh, hi. I wasn't going to do that um, just because I thought God wanted me to talk to her, okay? It, it, even though God, uh, even if you think God is telling you to do something, that doesn't mean you throw etiquette out the window, okay? Put an amen in, in the chat. But from her point of view, she was living by the standard that if a guy liked her, that he should have the courage to tell her. And she's right. She was right. Guys, don't wait around like I did, okay? Shoot your shot. You may surprise yourself. Uh, I thought it would be weird to tell a girl on the internet that I liked her, and in some cases that is a little weird. But I felt like she... I felt like she probably heard all the time that, that guys liked her, and, and I didn't want to be one of those guys, um, but telling her my feelings always should have been my first step. And without that, she had no idea that I was interested in her. So our little chit-chats here and there went on for about a year, and over time, God continued to break down some of the walls that I had built up in my life uh, because of past experiences. And all the while, I could not shake this feeling that God just wanted to do something more between Ruby and I, but I still really wasn't quite sure what it was. And finally, he opened the door for Ruby and I to hang out in Discord over the summer of 2018. We just talked in voice chat for a few hours one night. It was great. We had a good time. And that was it. That was it. From my very small viewpoint, she basically just didn't talk to me for the next few months after that, and that was frustrating. But in reality, there was so much more going on behind the scenes in her life that I just couldn't see from my small viewpoint. And everything I saw from that viewpoint just made me so confused, right? She talks to me here and there, we talk, and then nothing for a while. It, it just never felt like it was going to be something more. If we, if we had a good time, why did she just fall off the face of the earth after we hung out, right? Why didn't she reach out to talk to me more when I had expressed that that was something I, I would have enjoyed doing? And you may be saying, well, Sarah, she probably didn't like you. And I told myself at, at that at the time. Uh, the, the real answer was that it was very complicated. But from my limited viewpoint, nothing was happening. And I wanted so badly to just walk away from all of this. I was so just done with the situation. I was tired of chasing something that I had given uh, so much effort into and it caused me so much resistance and not really panned out to anything. And guys, if I had just told her how I felt the first time we hung out in Discord, this could have been a lot easier. We don't know for sure. We don't know that reality. We only know the one that we live in right now. Uh, but don't, don't do what I did. Like I said, take your shot might surprise yourself, all right? I wish I would have known that sooner, but that's not what God had in store for our particular story. And in the fall of 2018, it was really taking a toll on me. I was so frustrated. I felt like God didn't care uh, or was just messing with me or something. I didn't see anything changing in my situation. And sometimes God doesn't change our situation right away because he needs us to listen. But that doesn't mean that he isn't listening to us. 
this situation was causing me to lose a lot of sleep, to be honest. I had so many conflicting feelings about it, and it felt like God was just pushing me into a wall, but I couldn't understand exactly why he was pushing me into that wall. It was like there was this powerful presence in my mind, and I just didn't know why it was there or what it was trying to tell me. And I remember one night, I was so stressed. I got down on my hands and knees. I cried out to God, Lord, what do I need to do to get through this situation? And maybe some of you are looking at this and thinking, dude, it's just like a crush on an internet girl. Like, why are you so stressed about this? And I asked myself that same question at the time. It felt ridiculous for how much this situation was getting to me, but it didn't change my stress. The fact that it should have been simple didn't change the fact that it gave me so much anxiety. And if you've ever faced something like that, something that you may feel is simple or silly, or that someone else tells you is silly, but that is worrying you, that doesn't mean you're wrong to feel the way that you're feeling. That doesn't mean you're not allowed to worry and be stressed. Someone once told me that if your problems are real to you, then that makes them real. So I'd encourage you in that. And this was certainly a real problem for me. It was a real problem for me. So like I said, I got down, I asked God, what do I need to do to get through this? I just wanted to get through it. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, this is so stressful. It shouldn't be, but it's so stressful. What do I need to do to get through this? And a thought came to my mind. It was like the earplugs finally came out, and I could hear a specific sentence that did not make any sense to me in that moment. But it was what I had been running from the entire time. God had been trying to tell me this, but I refused to believe it because I was afraid of being wrong. I was afraid of mishearing God and convincing myself that I wanted something when in reality it was God trying to tell me something. And in that moment, I heard that sentence in my head, and I'm like, no, that can't be it. That, that can't be what God just spoke to me. That doesn't make any sense. But it was one of those thoughts that you just know it didn't come from your mind. And so I was like, okay, I'll let this thought rest in my head for a moment. Let's pretend that I'm going to believe what I just heard in my head. Let's, let's just pretend for a moment. And when I did that, all that stress that I had been feeling just melted away in that moment. It just melted away, and I was just overwhelmed with an incredible amount of peace, and a peace that I had only ever felt from God. It didn't make any sense to me in that moment why that sentence would give me so much peace, or why it was even an answer to my question. But that's what happened, so what was it? I've been telling you all about this phrase that I haven't even told you yet. Um, so what was it? I had asked, what do I need to do to get through this? And I remember God spoke to me, believe that you are going to be with her. And although in that moment, it gave me peace to know that, I was so averse to that idea because I was terrified of being wrong. I was terrified that I was interpreting my own desires for something that God was speaking into my life. But God had been trying to tell me this for months. I just, I didn't want to hear it because I was so afraid of getting something like that wrong. But I finally accepted it and rested in that peace, even if it didn't make much sense. If you don't know the reality that we live in right now, if you're just tuning in, Miss Ruby Falls and I are together. We have been for just about a year now. And you can see that. It's real. It's reality. 
But as we continue, keep in mind that in that moment, in those moments, I could not see this. I could not see this reality. But the Bible tells us in John chapter 20, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so that's what I did my best to do. So with this word from God and my newfound peace around the situation, I decided to reach out to Ruby again, just to check in on her. I didn't really know what to expect, but I certainly was not expecting to hear what she told me. She said that she'd been busy recently because she had gotten into a relationship and she had a boyfriend. And now that sentence that I had heard from God didn't give me peace anymore. But it was more like a dagger in my side. And because what she told me and what I heard from God were in direct opposition. They were the complete opposite. And this brings us to our first thing that we can learn about God's promises, something that I needed to know in that moment. And what you need to know right now is that obstacles will never limit God's promise. The obstacles you see in front of you will never limit God's promise for you. In The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, when you finish the tutorial area, it gives you your final objective. Beat Ganon. Defeat Ganon. The final boss. And it puts a map marker on Hyrule Castle, and, and you can just march right up there at the beginning of the game. You just finish the tutorial. You have a rusty sword and three, maybe four hearts. But if you dare, you can march up to Hyrule Castle and attempt to defeat Ganon right then and there. But at the beginning of the game, when you just finish the tutorial, that task seems impossible. Some people can do it. They're crazy. But that task seems impossible. You're not meant to be able to do it at that point. But it's your objective. And usually when a game gives you an objective, that means that it's possible. It might be difficult, it might take some time, but it's possible. And when God says something, that doesn't just mean it's possible. That means it's going to happen. It's more than an objective. And Abraham and Sarah had obstacles to God's promises for them. They were old. Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah was 90 years old. You don't have kids at that age. You just don't. And it seemed impossible for them to have a child, but God still made it happen. When God called Moses to go free the Israelites from slavery, Moses thought that his lack of public speaking skills would hold back God's plan, but it didn't. When the Israelites saw the giants in the promised land, they thought that they would never defeat them, that they would never be able to take the promised land, but they did, because there's no obstacle that can stop God. From the very beginning, I had obstacles working against me in my situation, but I didn't understand a fraction of what God had in store for me. I didn't understand it, but I was coming up against resistance. For starters, I lived nine hours away from Ruby. She was in another state, off to a fantastic start for, for obstacles, but more importantly, we didn't really talk all that much, and now she had a boyfriend. I don't know about you, but that looked like a lot of obstacles to me at the time. And Ruby, knowing nothing of my feelings for her or what I was going through, she was just simply living her life. We were on different paths, and it was not yet time for them to cross. So when I faced this new obstacle 
of finding out that she had a boyfriend, I had a choice. I could believe what God told me, or I could walk away and forget about it, believe what I saw in front of me, and trust that, or trust instead what God had spoken to me. And let me tell you that if I, I had not heard from God to believe that I was going to be with her, I would have walked away right then and there. I truly believe that the reason Ruby and I were not talking in those months leading up to her telling me that she had a boyfriend is because if she had told me any sooner, before I had accepted what God had told me, that I would have just walked away. Because logically, that is what you do when somebody you're interested in gets with somebody else. That is your cue to back off if you have not already. But God waited to inform me of the fact that she had a boyfriend until I had listened to what he was telling me. He didn't let her tell me until I had what I needed to trust him. But everything I saw and everything I heard screamed for me to give up. That's not what God told me. Please listen to what God tells you. Seek godly wisdom to ensure that you aren't following your own emotions, but instead truly hearing from God, whether through his word, the promises he gives all of us, or something that he speaks to you personally. Remember that God's word transcends anything you could ever face. And thankfully, I had people in my life that could remind me of that when I needed it the most. So after talking with Pastor Boz and Pastor Susie, close friends and mentors that I could trust, I knew that I had to trust God. I had to trust what he had told me, even though it was hard. And for the next few months, I would struggle to trust him. It was a roller coaster of trust and doubt and trust and doubt, a constant battle to deny what my doubt was telling me and to instead trust and believe what I heard from God. When God gave me this promise, and at the time, I didn't even realize it was a promise. I just thought it was something he said, but when he says something, it's a promise because he does everything he says. When, when he gave me the promise, shortly after, I started a journal. I called it uh, my promise journal after a while, and it's something I would encourage you to do uh, if you truly feel that God has given you a personal and specific promise for your life. I began to write about what God had revealed to me and how I was handling it emotionally and spiritually, and I continued to write it until his promise showed itself. And I wanted to read from you guys an excerpt from it. December 16th of 2018, this is what I wrote. I've let my trust slip. I didn't realize it was gone until I took note of the symptoms. The fear, the exhaustion, the futility, it all pointed to the fact that I had let go of that trust that kept me safe. I cannot hope in myself. I cannot believe with my own power. I need his help. I need his trust, his unfailing strength. It cannot come from me. The trust from myself will slip away. It will falter. I need to give up, to give up my own strength, is to welcome a strength that I cannot create, that I cannot learn. The questions remain. The doubts keep knocking, but I'm not the one fighting them anymore. If you want to be able to trust God, you have to give up trusting in yourself. You have to give up your own strength if you want to rely 
on God's strength because you can't do both. You cannot have two masters of your life. You can only have one. If you want to trust God, give up the trust in yourself. And I would have to learn that lesson over and over again as my trust and my faith would slip. That roller coaster of trust and doubt would continue for the next year and a half up until the very moment that I told Ruby how I felt. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because this story is far from over. God was working in Ruby's life in different ways than he was in mine. And before she knew how I felt, there was so much more that God needed to teach me about his promises. It wasn't just that obstacles won't limit God's promises, but also that our doubt will never cancel his promises. Abraham and Sarah did not think that God could give them a child. Moses did not think that God could use him to bring the Israelites out of slavery, but their doubts never stopped God. Their doubts didn't stop his promises for them. And this is the point that I want you to hear the most today, that your doubt will never stop God. It will never stop God's promises for you so long as you keep following what he has called you to do, so long as you do your best to believe that his plans for you are good, they're for you and not against you. You don't have to fully believe what you're doing. You don't have to fully believe the promises in the Bible to choose to practice them. It's a choice. Faith is a choice, not a feeling. And Jesus said that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. It doesn't take much faith to believe for a big miracle, but we think it does. We think it does. Your doubt will never stop God. Let him deal with your doubt and mature your faith, but it will not stop him. You don't have to know for sure whether or not what you heard really was from God. It's something that you should take very seriously. Do not mistake me. If you think God has given you a personal and specific promise Really take the time to draw close to God and ensure that that is indeed what he is telling you. Take time to compare what he is telling you with scripture. Take time to seek wise counsel, mentors in your life. But doubting is normal. It's part of our humanity. But we can't dwell on it. We can't stay there. The Bible says that the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. You don't want to be tossed by the wind. You want to bring yourself back to the faith in what God has told you every time you start to doubt. But your doubt will never stop God. He only uses it to strengthen your faith, to remind you that he is in control and not you. Because every time I would doubt, every time that I, I would think that I had misheard God or that I, I thought his promise for me meant something else entirely, I would talk to God about it and I would say, God, what, what is going on? Maybe you just want me to believe this, but it doesn't actually mean that. Maybe it means something else. Maybe I misheard. Maybe I'm crazy. I can't be right about this. And every time he would bring me back to his promise that he spoke into my life, he would assure me that what I heard only meant one thing. It was not complicated. He would renew my faith, but I had to ask him to help me do that because I couldn't do it on my own. 
So many times I would ask him to give me faith because I knew that I didn't have any. You can let doubt cancel your promise. You can let what the world tells you shape how you see God's promises. You can want to give up on it with everything in you because it will be easier to give up on God's promises than it will be for you to believe them. But I challenge you, please hold on to those promises, whether it is a promise in his word or a promise that he has spoken to you. Choose to believe it. Along my journey, I spent more time doubting than I ever did in faith. So much more time in doubt. So much more time in doubt. But that didn't stop God. My shortcomings didn't stop a limitless God. And as we learn in Abraham's story, it doesn't matter if we doubt. It didn't matter that Moses wasn't confident. It didn't matter that Thomas doubted the scars on Jesus' hands. It didn't change the reality. And knowing that would carry me through my next challenge. In 2019 at God Squad Church, we started a series called The Loading Screen. If you're around for The Loading Screen, sound off in the chat. What a ride that was. We should, we should do The Loading Screen again, what do you guys think? You want another one? Loading Screen Part 2? Sound, sounds amazing. <laughs> it was like a three or four month long uh, sermon series. And in March of that year, we entered into a time of prayer and fasting for 21 days, something that would then become tradition uh, for God Squad Church. And I had decided that I was going to use the time of fasting to really seek God on my situation. And the way that I went about that was, for the first two weeks, I did not pray about Ruby at all. I did not pray about my situation at all. I ignored it completely. And I prayed about everything else. I just drew close to God, and I prayed about other things in those first two weeks. And then in the third week, I was going to use the third week to pray about my situation. And so I did that, and when that third week came around, I began praying about it, about Ruby, and on that first night, I felt God telling me this phrase, go to her. And at first, that didn't really make any sense. I was like, what? Go to her? What? But I kept hearing it over the next few days, and Something that Pastor Susie had challenged the church to do at the time was to have a three-hour uninterrupted time with God, whether it was prayer or worship or reading his word, three hours of uninterrupted time with God. He challenged the church to do that during our time of fasting, and I had done it in those first two weeks, but like I said, I wasn't praying about my situation, so I decided to do it again in that third week, and this time I was going to use it to pray about my situation, and so I did. And halfway through the third week is when I did it. Uh, I was talking to God, and he, he led me to what that go to her meant. And that was that it was literal, literally go to her. And that terrified me beyond belief. I was, an old, I was only an, an hour into my three-hour prayer at that point, and so I spent the rest of the time just wrestling with God on if that truly was literal. And I began to feel in my heart that it was and over the next week and a half, I prayed about it more, and I sought the counsel of my mentors and decided that I needed to go to her. And ideally, I would have loved to tell her that I was coming or that I was in the area, or, but I couldn't get in touch with her. My, my message was just one of the many that she had received, and I had no idea if she had a boyfriend still. I had no idea if the situation had changed, no idea if she even wanted to see me at all. 
But on the craziest leap of faith in my life, I drove eight hours from Virginia to Kentucky on blind faith, and I felt like a crazy person. I felt like a crazy person. It didn't make any sense. We've talked about how obstacles won't limit God's promises, how our doubt won't cancel them, and sometimes God's promises just don't make any sense to us. Our understanding can't fathom them. That's our final point for today. Our understanding cannot fathom God's promises because his ways are not our ways. Sometimes he tells us things and they don't make any sense. We literally cannot fathom why he is telling us this, but that doesn't mean it's not true. That doesn't mean it's not what you need to do. It doesn't mean that it isn't going to work out. So I drove to Kentucky. I checked into a hotel. I got in touch with Ruby and I found out that she still had a boyfriend. What? What? But, but God, you, you told me. You told me go to her. I fasted for three weeks. And this is what you told me. But now I'm here and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Why? We can't fathom God's promises, we don't see it the way that he sees it. And I couldn't see that she was facing so much in her own life. I told Ruby that I was visiting Pastor Adam, one of our board members who happens to live not very far from her, and that was true. I did visit Adam, but I never told her at the time that the reason that I came was not to visit Adam, but that it was for her. She had no idea. And because she was still in a relationship, it didn't really make sense for us to connect while I was there. When you're in a relationship, you don't really spend time with, with other, other people, not other people in general, but other people of the opposite gender. Um, I understood that at the time, but what I didn't understand was how it was all supposed to work out for us. And when Abraham was talking to God, and God was telling him that his 90-year-old wife was going to have a son. And Abraham was like, how? Actually, how? And this wasn't the first time he had heard it. God had told him over and over again that he would have a son. And by this point, Abraham is like, how? God, you said that this is going to happen. But I think you missed your window. I think it's a done deal. It's not actually possible now. When the Israelites were walking in circles around the walls of Jericho, how many of them actually believed that what they were doing made any sense? Imagine, I'd imagine not very many of them, because it doesn't. Walking does not bring down walls. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. A concept like that does not compute in our brains. It should not be possible, but they at least chose to have faith to do it anyway. We serve an all-powerful God, but our understanding can rarely fathom his promises for us. Because if you remember, God's promise to Abraham was much more than just, you'll have a son. 
He said that kings of peoples will come from Sarah. I will establish my covenant with your son as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. An everlasting covenant. There's a lot on the line here, and Abraham just doesn't see it. God, it doesn't line up. It doesn't make sense. We don't always get to know how. Sometimes it happens, and we still don't know how. Abraham's wife had a baby at 90 years old. It happened, but it still doesn't make any sense. Now, if you thought this story, my story, is almost over, you thought my leap of faith trip to Kentucky was going to be the big finale, I thought it was going to be too. But the reality is that this story is far too large to fit into one message. So we're going to pick back up next week and finish it out. But I need you to think about something this week as you wonder how it all panned out. You know the ending to this story. Ruby and I are together now. I'm moving closer to her next week. That's the reality. But in that moment, sitting in a Kentucky hotel room, I didn't know why I was there. I didn't know what was on the other side of my story. I didn't even know if Ruby liked me. I didn't even know if we would get along. I barely knew her. I didn't know if I'd ever reach the promised land that God had for me. But remember what we said, that God's promises always come true. They are timeless. They are for us and not against us. Little did I know God was working in both my and Ruby's life more than either of us realized. But before we wrap up today, I need to be clear about something. This is not just some love story. If that's all that you've seen in this story, you've missed the entire point of this. This is first and foremost a story of God's faithfulness. I am telling you this story because God has been trying to tell some of you something for a long time, and you don't want to listen. And I don't want you to pass that up and miss out on what could be the biggest blessing in your life. It's probably not going to be easy. It's probably going to be some pain involved. But if you listen and you follow him, he will do things that you never imagined. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make any sense in the moment. It doesn't matter if you don't believe that it can happen. All that God asks is for us to believe. Just a little bit of faith is all we need. It doesn't have to be a lot. To choose to believe when the world would be against you. Right now, I want to pray that God would give some of you the confidence to follow anything that he's put on your heart. Maybe he's told you to start a business. Maybe move somewhere crazy to do something that you don't even think you're any good at. Whatever you feel God is speaking to you, I want you to pray and ask God to help you believe that if it is his will, that it will come through, that it will come to pass. It's my prayer that you would trust him and do whatever it is that he's asking of you, even if it scares you even if it doesn't make any sense. Know that he is for you. He's not against you. And if he is for you, who can be against you? If he made you a promise, he will keep it. My story is just one example of that. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a faithful God. I thank you that we don't have to doubt whether or not what you speak to us is true. You always come through, Lord. We see in your word time and time again that you come through, that you mean what you say. And your promises are not limited by our understanding of them. They're not limited by the obstacles that we face. They're not limited by our doubt. Father, I thank you that you don't hold back your incredible power because of us. I thank you that we don't have to rely on our own strength. But Lord, would you help us to rely on yours? God, I pray that whatever it is that you are calling people to do, whatever it is, anyone watching right now, Father, if you have given them a specific promise, I pray that you would help them believe it, that you would give them the faith, you would give them the courage and the confidence, Lord. Help us to follow your promises. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. God's promises have no limit, and his grace has no limit either. The Bible tells us that where sin increased, grace increased all the more. We have sinned against a perfect and holy God. We've turned away from what is good and chased after the things of this world, but God's grace is limitless. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter if we have doubts. It doesn't matter how long we've run away for. His grace knows no limits. It doesn't make any sense. Personally, I can't comprehend a God that would send his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you and I. Why were we deserving of that? We weren't. We deserved the punishment of sin, deserved the punishment of death, but Jesus made a way for us to go free, for you and I to go free. He made a way for us to be welcomed into God's kingdom and to be seen as righteous. And all he asks is that we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and turn away from our sin. If you want to see what God can do in your life, if you want to step into the promises that he has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, if you're ready to turn away from your sin and follow Christ's example, then I, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Pray this to God and give your heart to him. Pray this. God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me on the cross and that he broke the limit of death and rose from the grave. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I have sinned against you, that I don't deserve salvation. But God, I ask that you would save me, that you would extend your forgiveness to me. I commit my life to follow you to love you and to serve you the rest of my days. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace that you have shown me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those who are accepting Christ right now? 
Hey, congratulations to those of you that are just accepting Jesus Christ right now. And hey, I want you to do something bold. Whether you're in the room right now and you just rededicated your life, or maybe you're a new follower of Jesus Christ, or if you are in the chat right now and you just prayed that prayer, you just repeated that prayer, you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, or maybe you rededicated your life, I want you to do something brave and be bold because... I don't want to put a spotlight on you. I want to celebrate with you and congratulate you for a decision that maybe you just made. So if you're in a room right now, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. And if you are in the chat right now and you just accept Jesus Christ, I want to put you a yes in the chat. We want to see and celebrate those of you that are accepting Jesus Christ right now. Because listen, the fact of the matter is you just made an, a huge decision in your life. And we want to be able to walk through with some resources that we want to be able to give you. So if somebody could do me a favor and type exclamation point next level in the chat. If you put that in the chat, I would ask you to click on that form and fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving so we can walk with you on this journey. A lot of people, they just made this decision. And they don't know where to go in life right now. They don't know where to start reading the Bible. They don't know how to pray. Maybe maybe you heard about water baptism, but you don't know exactly what that means. We would love to be able to walk through those things with you. So please, please, please definitely fill out that form so we can react, uh, reach out to you, connect with you, and be able to talk with you about some of those things. But anyways, guys, this is the reason why we do what we do here at God Squad Church. People all around the world are hearing the, the, uh, about Jesus Christ for the first time. They're hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ for the very first time. And, and we love to do this every single week. And everything that we do here at God Squad Church is because of your faithfulness and your generosity. And so I want you to, to know something that maybe this is going to be your first time giving at God Squad Church. I want you to know there are multiple safe and secure ways that you can give to God Squad Church. The first thing that you can do is you can go into the panels below. And if you click on that link, it will allow you to give through PayPal. Finally, you can also go to our website and can you customize it to any way you see fit. We weekly, monthly, whatever is good for you. And then finally, you can use text to give by texting any amount to number 84321. But no matter how, how, how you're giving, we thank you so much for your generosity and your faithfulness. Remember, every penny counts.